you and God. However, there are some things that should govern our liberty. There's things that govern how we outwork the liberty that we have on issues of personal conscience. And there's also things we should keep in mind and be aware of when dealing with these conflicting issues that we might have. Listen, in a melting pot like this, we're gonna have a thousand different views on a thousand different things. Agree to get on, right? Here we go. First, I've got two points and three questions. Two points and three questions. You're so glad you came to church today. It's information overload. Just pray for me. I've got to do this three times, man. Like, I'm really, I'm exhausted. Here we go. Two points, three questions. The first point is this. When it comes to convictions of personal conscience, be careful of legalism. Be careful of legalism. Just because God has called you to live away and to a standard doesn't mean you make that a law for everybody. This is where Christians fall into traps. Like, we love to make rules. We love to make rules. God gave in the Old Testament 10 commandments. The religious people took those and made over 600 laws. You try explaining rugby to someone who's never watched rugby. So many rules. It's like the most impossible game to explain to somebody who's never watched rugby before. We love to make rules. Rules, 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 rules. And if we're not careful with issues of personal conscience and non-essentials, we will make laws where there was never laws. And, and, and so we've got to be mindful of falling into the trap of legalism. It's a conviction for me, so it should be the same for everybody. And we try and hold everyone to a standard that God is calling us to. This is not a new issue. This is an issue that was happening in the early church back in Acts chapter 15. Luke is writing to the early church. What's happening is there's like, first the, 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 the gospel exploded amongst uh, the Jewish people, like the, all the disciples, they were all Jews. And then it spread to the Gentiles, those who are non-Jewish, and it just began to go crazy. So this is like the problem they're facing where they're trying to put legalism and laws upon people who've come to faith. So why are you challenging Acts 15.10? So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved by the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. This passage, the author Luke is challenging uh, the believers at this time. They're trying to add to God's grace Old Testament legal kind of like requirements, and they're going, no, to be a, a follower of Jesus and be saved, you have to also have this, and you have to also observe this, and you also have to cut this off, and there's all kinds of stuff that they're trying to make people, make people do. So listen, to be a Christian, here's what you need. You need to have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Salvation is a free gift of grace. You are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone, not by not drinking wine, not by observing some kind of ritual or, or, or some kind of religious ceremony. No, 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 no. It's by grace through faith in Jesus alone. It's a free gift, and friend, it's available to you right here, right now, today. I just wanna clarify that. Don't add, don't add, don't add. Don't add this to grace. You're not saved because you keep a whole bunch of laws. You're saved because Jesus fulfilled the law. Amen. Number two, thought number two, fight for unity. Fight for unity. When, it, when, you, when you're faced with this kind of stuff, fight for unity. The, the, I've been in church long enough, man. I've been following Jesus for nearly 20 years. I've been on staff with Elam for 17 years. It's the only full-time job I've ever had. Like, Steve, get a life. 
I've been around long enough to know that the thing the devil wants to destroy the most is unity. He is after our unity. A, a, a church that is divided is a weak church. It's a church that's easily picked off. Friends, we have to resolve in our heart that we will fight for unity. There is power and there is anointing, the Bible teaches, in the unity of believers. When we are unified, that's when the power of God moves. That's when anointing flows. We, we have to hold the unity. And if the devil's gonna disrupt us, he's gonna try and divide us. You know how he divides us? Not with moral absolutes and not with essentials because we know what those are. He will divide us with this. Most churches split not because of essentials, but non-essentials. Most churches split, not because of moral absolutes, but by convictions of personal conscience. Like you all have to believe, no, no. And so what happens is it creates these divisions in the church that if you wanna belong with us, you have to believe the same. No, you don't. When it comes to this stuff, you don't have to agree. You don't have to be all the same. But the devil will try and get in and cause division amongst these things. We don't major on minors around here. We don't major on minors. Here's what we do. We choose to fight for what we agree on rather than about what we disagree on. We choose to fight for what we agree on rather than fight about what we disagree on. Does that make sense to somebody? You're preaching, Steve. Romans 14, verse one to six. I'm gonna read all this real fast. This is a lot, but I want, I want you to hear it. It's in your notes, you can follow. Uh, it's also there, here we go. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Just for context, this is what Paul is preaching to in Romans 14. This is his whole thrust of Romans 14 is non-essential issues. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. Another believer is with a sensitive conscience will only eat vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? By their own master they stand or they fall. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than the other, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that, you're, that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but by living a life of goodness and peace and joy with the Holy Spirit. It's a bigger picture. Remember, he's like, keep the kingdom bigger, not smaller. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you'll please Him, and others will approve of you too. So then there's aim for harmony, unity, harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat, over drinking wine. Remember, all foods are acceptable, acceptable but it's wrong to eat something if, it, something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something, for they have decided it is right. Here's a, here, let me just nutshell the, the key points of what Paul is saying here. here they, they should come up on the screen. Strive, you can take a photo of this if you want. Strive for peace. Accept one another when we differ. Don't pass judgment on a disputable matter. If it's disputable, don't judge people about it. Don't be on a campaign to convert others to your position. Some people walk around, they have these little hobby horses. That's the gospel they preach. They preach the gospel of believe what I believe about this certain thing, not the gospel of Jesus. That's the only thing that comes out of their mouth. We need to believe about this. We're like, well, we can differ, right? 
Don't be on a campaign to convert others to your position. Temporal matters aren't central to the kingdom of God. Don't use your liberty to cause someone else to stumble. We're gonna unpack that soon. And keep your convictions on certain, these certain things between you and God. The heart of all of these points of what Paul is trying to do is this. He's, try, he's trying to say, don't let our differences get in the way. Don't let our differences get in the way. If we let our differences get in the way, we'll have, we'll be dis, have disunity, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be uh, separated from each other. But what he's saying is we're gonna have differences, but get over them, look beyond them, and, and don't like, make them like minors majors. Keep the main thing the main thing, and let's keep our unity so that we can keep operating in power. Does that make sense? Okay, we're gonna finish, Ben, can you, can you guys come? Um, we can, well, maybe we can get rid of this too, that'd be cool. Okay, three questions to finish with. Man, we've gone. We've got a lot done today, haven't we, church? You, you're like, you're like, you're feeling like you're just like strapped into a roller coaster and going, Ugh. it's a bit much for 8.30, and it? it's like, oh. Three questions, here we go. When faced with a personal conscience issue, here's three questions to ask yourself. Number one, is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? Paul says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Is it beneficial? Like if, me doing this, is it of benefit to my life? Is it honoring to God? Is it a good idea to do this? Like, is it, is it beneficial? The second question is this, is it harmful to others? So you doing that, so you've got liberty, right? You've got liberty to do it. You've got liberty to have a glass of wine, no drama. You've got liberty, liberty like, but in using my liberty, am I hurting somebody? Because if, if I use my liberty to go, hey, well, you get over yourself, man. I can do what I want. I've got liberty in Christ. I can do whatever I want. If I use my liberty like that, what I'm doing is I'm violating the law of love. Love is not self-seeking. So I'm violating the law, law of love if I treat my liberty like that. In fact, the Christian life is one that lays aside personal liberty for the betterment of somebody else. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Laid aside his liberty at the cross for the betterment of all people. So if you've got liberty on an area, but you know someone might be harmed in the process, Bible even teaches that it's not just about not doing evil, but avoiding the appearance of evil. So sometimes you're not doing anything wrong, but by being in that place or doing that certain thing, it can look like you are and it can cause people to stumble. I started out this ministry journey in youth ministry. And when I was in youth ministry, I gave up drinking for a number of years, alcohol. So confession, I drink wine sometimes. Please don't judge me. It's Chris's fault. And I gave up drinking any alcohol for a number of years, years, years as a youth pastor because in that position, I realized I've got mates who I love to catch up with. I've got unsaved mates who are, who are very dear to my heart. I've got my brother who's not a Christian. I've got all these kinds of people around me that I just love dearly. And we'd often just catch up at the a restaurant or at the, at, a, at the pub, just on the corner at a house, whatever. Have a wee drink and just chat and catch up or whatever. Nothing wrong with that. However, as a youth pastor, if I'm sitting outside a bar on the main street of Howick having one beer and the youth person walks past and sees me, what do they see? They don't see me having one beer. They see Steve at the pub, he's the youth pastor. What I've done is I've potentially caused someone else to stumble. So I lay aside my, I'm allowed to do it, 
but I lay aside my liberty for the betterment of other people. So you don't, you don't use your liberty as a thing like, I can do whatever I want. The last question I have is this, as a follower of Christ, number three, could I lay it down? Could I lay it down? If there is an area in your life that is a personal conscience issue, if it came to it, could you lay it down? So like if God said to you, hey, that's cool, man. You can't drink wine anymore. Could you lay it down? God said, you know what? Doing that thing, I don't want you to do that anymore. Could you lay it down? That's a powerful question. Because if you can't answer that question with a yes, then what you're stepping back into is a moral absolute issue, which is don't have anything above God. It's an issue of disobedience then. So you might have liberty on something, but if, what if God said to you, okay, that's fine, but I'm gonna convict you in a new way that for the, for the next season of your life, that's not beneficial for you. I want you to pursue a different lifestyle and you need to stop doing that thing. Could you lay it down? Could you lay it down? If God asked you to, could you lay it down? It's a powerful question. Powerful question. The one thing I love about this church is that we don't major on the minors. We keep the main thing the main thing. That's what I love about this church. I think that's been one of the great keys to the success of our church is we don't major on the minors. And we have such a variety of people on all different walks and all different journeys from all different backgrounds. And we can be okay and get along and still like go forward in all that God has for us. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't. But here's a couple of things I wanna ask you to agree with me on. Let's agree to love Jesus with everything we've got. Let's agree to seek God with our whole hearts, mind, body, soul, spirit, our whole being. Let's seek God that way. Let's, let's agree not to major on the minors. Let's agree to fight for unity and let's agree to keep the main thing the main thing. Is that a good deal? Speaking of the main thing, I'd love to let you know what that main thing is. See my segue there? You know, there is a God in heaven who made every one of you and loves you dearly. Like loves you more than you'll ever know. We all do sin, we all mess up, we all fall short of the standard God set for us. Those moral absolutes, we've all broken them, all of us. And most of us still break them. We've all fallen short of the standard God had for us. But God in His grace, and I've shared this already, God in His grace sent His own Son Jesus to a cross. The payment for your, you breaking those moral absolutes was the payment of death. When God sent Jesus to a cross, He took the debt. He paid the debt. He died on a cross, taking upon Himself everything we would do for our sin. He took it. And then He conquered death and the grave, rose again to new life. And what He extends to all of us here in this room is a free gift of grace. You don't have to earn it. There's no law. You don't have to do that. No, 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 no. It's a free gift. You just receive it by faith. The Bible says all your sin is forgiven, taken away from you, removed as far as the east is from the west. That's as far as He takes the sin from you. You get a brand new start, a new life. In fact, it's called being born again. Not only do you get forgiven of your sin, but the Spirit of God comes in and takes up residence inside of you and makes you a brand new person from the inside out. It's called being born again. It's the most amazing thing. God actually makes you new from the inside out. You get to walk into plans. God's got a plan for your life. You're not an accident. He's got plans for you. And then the, the, the cherry on the top is this thing called heaven. There's eternity for you. This life is not the end of the story. You know it. 
you know there's something bigger than just this world. It's called heaven and God's preparing a place for you in it. And, and I wanna invite anyone in this room, if you're far from God, if you don't know Jesus, or, or maybe you've drifted far from Him today and you're like, man, Steve, I want Him, I wanna know Him. I wanna, I wanna invite you to pray a real simple prayer with me if that's you. Can I ask everyone in the room just to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? If that's you today, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus, but you're feeling drawn to Him, you're feeling drawn to God. It's almost like He's knocking on the door of your heart and all you've gotta do is open it up. Or maybe today you're back in church or you've been in church for a long time, but you're honest and say, Steve, I'm actually really far from God. I haven't had that real transformation where God has fully come in, I've let Him fully in and taken over my life and just transformed me from the inside out but I want to, I wanna trust Him, I wanna put my life in His hands. If that's you today, I wanna to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. I'm gonna pray the prayer out loud, but you don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got, like this is your prayer, because it is your prayer. Are you ready? I'm gonna pray it out loud, you just join with me in your heart. Just say these words, say, God, today, I surrender my life to You. I know that I've sinned and I've broken your laws. But I do believe that Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn away from my old life and I turn to you. I ask you now, Jesus, to come into my life and make me new today. Be the Lord of my life. I choose from this moment to live for you. In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and head bowed. If you prayed that prayer today, can I say really quickly, I'm just so proud of you. I think this is the most amazing and wonderful decision you could ever make in your entire life. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to take one more little step. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, either for the very first time or you're getting right with God today. If you meant it, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna count to three. And when I get to three, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want you to be really, really brave right where you are and just put your hand up nice and high. Now I'm not doing that to embarrass you or call you out or anything like that. What I will do is I will see your hand, I'll acknowledge you, and then you can put your hand straight back down. Now listen, this is, you gotta be bold, you gotta be brave, but this is your little step of faith. Are you ready? If you pray that prayer on the count of three, one, two, three. Hands up nice and high right now. Yeah, my man, God bless you, brother. Awesome, right there. Yep, down the back, young lady, I see you too. Um, yeah, awesome. You too, my man. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Nice and high right now. Just saying, yep, yep, yep. Count me in. Count me in. That's me. Awesome. God, we thank you for what you're doing here today. God, I thank you for every person who's just said yes to you. I thank you that new life has come to them. Lord, the old is gone and the new has come. Lord, I pray, fill them with your spirit, fill them with your love and your grace. We bless them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, you better put your hands together, those people. Come on.